Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Friday, May 6th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? It's been a week of summer summer weather, decent work, got out to a show last night, bad flower were great, and lots of playoffs. Loving just having fast and like mad, meaningful hockey on every night when I get home from work. Um, it feels like summer, I guess. Awesome. Yeah. NHL playoffs in full swing, NBA playoffs in full swing. It, it doesn't get much better than this time of year with the spring sprung and, and feeling that summer weather. And it feels especially good when your hometown team gets a big W on a night like tonight. That's right. The Toronto Maple Leafs go up 2-1 this series. Uh, game three ending less than 20 minutes out. We're fresh here and it's almost been a week. We have a lot of playoff action to catch up on Miro. Yes, we do. So I don't know about you, but I'm ready to jump right in because it is nearing my bedtime here as we stayed up to watch the end of the hockey game. But I'm so thrilled to talk about the Leafs getting a big five to two win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. A couple of empty net goals to seal things off by Ilya Mikheyev. Gotta love to see it. One of my Tim Hortons picks tonight. So uh, rack up the points for the boy. Clutch empty netter from Ilya. And, uh, and the Leafs take a 2-1 series lead on the road. Max, initial thoughts? Yeah, I, I feel like this series has mostly played the same way. It's been a very defensive, dot your I's, cross your T's affair. Both teams really doing their best to limit the other in the transition offensively. Uh, special teams, incredibly important. And each game has kind of come down to which goalie can make the big saves, which team can convert on the special team opportunities, and then which team has a couple bounces go their way. I, I feel like that's been the story each and every game, maybe a little bit more just the Leafs um, surprising upsurge in game one but really since the first second period of that that's been how this whole series has gone and tonight game three all of those things going for the Leafs the special teams power play early uh, they build on that beautifully to get out to the three nothing lead sure enough the lightning come back um, a third period where they're up three one going in you know the bolts push is coming they spend most of the game in the defensive end, excuse me, the period. Jack Campbell with a couple huge, huge saves. And this team does just enough where it feels like we were under attack, but never so long under siege. The shifts with the icings never piled up to three, four, five minute stretches of in the zone. And I don't know about you, but watching our team take care of the lead in the third period was really therapeutic and healing for me. Uh, so I'm coming off a high watching that. That's been the theme of this Leafs team, obviously in many, many years previously, we were very well used to them blowing leads in dramatic fashion, but this past year and a little bit more Sheldon Keefe has started to really, like you said, tighten things up. And this is a team that most of the time, does a great job holding leads now when they have them going into the third period. And this is best defensive core they've had in many, many years. Um, Justin Hall 
drawing into the lineup tonight and and taking a penalty, but getting key ice time. Uh, he's been in those spots before. And then, of course, Muzzin, Giordano, experienced veterans. Morgan Riley now has been through it. TJ Brody been through it. Like, it's it's a defensive core that was able to hold things down and get a little bit of help from your forwards and uh, just fend off this relentless Tampa Bay attack. It, it truly feels when they get a power play that they're going to score every time. Um, and that's kind of the biggest storyline for me personally in this series was how the refs really – uh, involve themselves in the first two games and I kind of seen it across all the series where a lot yeah. more calls than you would typically see in the playoffs. They're starting to call things a little bit tighter than we might be used to in previous years. And the big difference tonight for the Leafs was they stayed out of the penalty box and didn't take some of the really dumb penalties that led to their downfall in game two. So nice that they were able to stay disciplined um, only three penalties tonight. And that was a big key for them pulling this one out not giving that tampa power play any extra time to to play with a man up this is really why i need to take notes while watching games because there have been so many penalties called going back to game one that i had some thoughts on it at the beginning and i've lost most of those uh namely i really liked all the cross-checking calls against the bolts in the first game no home team bias there i thought they set a pretty clear standard on when a guy's down on the ice, you can't use your stick to keep him down. And when a guy doesn't have the puck, you can't thwack him in the back with your stick. Um, but a bit of cross-checking in a defensive setting where the player has the puck, okay. I thought they set that standard well. Um, it just seems like with the pace ramped up in playoff hockey, with every player accelerating at 110%, going into situations, not really thinking about their balance, there's going to be more slips, falls, losses of controls, and maybe a bit more of that being chalked up uh, on the whistles than I would like to see personally. But I do feel for the most part, it's been pretty consistent. And if we miss a call, we've been getting it back. And I, I don't, I hate to see that a little when uh, in game one, where it felt like all their calls were cross checks that they were actually deserving and ours were getting a little made up, but over th three games, it's balanced out pretty well. And from all the other playoff hockey I've watched, Edmonton, LA, uh, Calgary, Dallas, it's Penguins, Rangers, it's been pretty similar level of tight whistles. Uh, yeah, which I, I don't know. In the one thing I'll say, is the stars have been making a difference early here. It's been McDavid, it's been Malkin and Crosby, it's been Matthews, it's been Kucherov, it's been Marner. And having that in playoff hockey is really nice. Sometimes it feels like all the stars are just too locked down defensively. They can't get an inch of breathing room without like three infractions being uh, non-calls on them. And you always have to look for that hero on the third, fourth line to come up with something messy and transition for the cleaner looks. Uh, whereas one week into playoff hockey and a lot of the team's biggest names have been active. So if the price to pay for that is each team's going to have to fend off four or five penalties a night, I guess I'm okay with it. I don't know your thoughts. I think the longer this series goes, the less okay with it I am. Oh, Leafs yeah. still manage to generate one, at least one good shorthanded chance every game. But in game two, they had one breakaway, uh, the Kerfoot shorthanded goal. 
And on the other side, you give up three power play goals. So maybe not the back and forth you want to be giving up in that regard. So again, as much as they can stay out of the penalty box, I think that's really key. I think a big part of that tonight was Spezza drawing into the lineup. He doesn't take a bunch of dumb penalties like maybe a Simmons or a Clifford did in the first two games. And then really, if the Leafs power play has looked okay, think it could look a little bit better um but you just trust that with the talent they have those guys are going to figure it out and they weren't able to last year but they've been able to get out of slumps uh, a little bit quicker uh the the looks they've just been a little bit more creative on the power play than they looked last year yeah tonight interesting because i thought the second line would uh after the first line taking an extended minute minute 20 that second line was coming out and putting on a clinic on how to make a clean entry and then sustain puck possession and generate like a b-grade scoring chance consistently whereas we just watched that first line look nervous in transition and unable to get it going i agree it's not a slump there is confidence right now that we get four power plays a night we're getting at least one goal off of that and we did not have that confidence this time last year so that's certainly something to be grateful for but uh i feel like that first line needs to steady some nerves or something because there's no excuses for how uh mm-hmm much better the second line looked in game three tonight sorry my attention wavering a little the Edmonton Oilers off to a two nothing lead early up on the Kings looks like Zach Hyman gaining on the power play the first goal a beautiful give and go between Dreisaitl and McDavid Uh, Dreisaitl another one of my Tim Hortons picks tonight (laughs) rack it up oh um yeah I overall looking at this Leafs lightning series it it was never going to be easy Uh, You're up against the two-time defending cup champs. This team knows how to win playoff series and it's going to be a battle. I I wasn't surprised to see game two turn out the way it did. I wasn't surprised to see the lightning score at least one goal in that third period with the Leafs up and have to defend that initial three, nothing lead. But I like the way this team's battled and I think our chances in this series are as good as it's going to get it can get and i'll say if we can beat the bolts we can go all the way there's like this isn't a make it deep and get your reps in type of playoff year this is a you have the team to do it and you've got to go out and earn it from day one but once you do that it the momentum could get going so i'm a happy leafs fan i think right now Yeah, and it's as good of a spot as you could ask for three games in against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Andre Vasilevsky normally is stout, staunch, does not give up an inch, and the Leafs have now scored three-plus goals in in all three games of the series so far. He hasn't looked unbeatable. Uh, I mean, he still is undefeated in the last three years coming off of a playoff loss, so it'll be a big game on Sunday uh, for them to try and break that streak. But uh, if he's not world beater, then that's huge for the Leafs and they're getting contribution up and down the lineup. Like, obviously you need your top guys to be scoring. Tavares now hasn't scored in 12 straight games. Uh, so hopefully get some production at him, but you're getting a goal from Colin Blackwell. Camp has two goals in this series. That's more than he scored all year last year in the regular season. And Morgan Riley contributing on the power play, just 
when you have all lines clicking the way that they are, then there's no excuse at this point being up two one in this series. Uh, you now just have to win two out of the next four and, and, and you're on your way. It's a pretty good place to be in. Um, I, that's really all I've got on this series. And that's by far the one I've been paying the most attention to. I don't know where your sense for all around the league is at. Yeah, it's, it's been, there's been some chippy moments in some of the other series, uh, uh, Boston fans believing they got a poor whistle is some of the biggest comedy that I've heard in the last couple of years. Um, they do get a big win tonight, though, behind their their home crowd and, and get one step closer to evening things up with the Hurricanes, who are now down to their third straight goalie. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Minnesota and St. Louis, kind of that underrated series that we were very excited for. Things are very physical between those teams, and it looks like Kirill Kaprizov is imposing his talent as kind of going out, being the best player on the ice. So he's been really great so far through the first two games in a period. Uh, and then, like, the other series I've been dialed in the most to would be the Rangers and the Penguins. And yeah. the, the New York Rangers, I would say, are definitely the more physical team right now. And if not for a couple of questionable calls not going their way, they could very easily be up to nothing in this series. But Crosby and Malkin have had their special moments, especially Sid's uh, one-man effort there. And <sighs> Pittsburgh has not won a playoff series since 2018 which wow. is hard to believe but i mean it could it could very well continue this new york rangers team looks really good and it's tough to beat igor on a night-to-night basis so uh, i'm really intrigued to see how this one goes as it gets a little bit deeper well heading into the playoffs i talked for that series about how if you can give pauses to this rangers team throw them off kilter off balance get them scrambling i think that's where the penguins chances and that's what i saw in game one um with the rallying efforts on the rangers getting denied a goal minutes left in the third period that probably would have sealed it for them and the penguins were just that they're able to hang in, keep pushing, keep running the game and pull out that triple OT. Uh, the Rangers did bounce back strong from that. So it, on the surface, no lingering damage seemed to be done on a game to game. But um, I, I think the more moments like that the Penguins can create, the more it's going to add up throughout this series. Uh, but yeah, that's been the other free CBC one at not before our bedtime. So been nice viewing. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, yeah, that's a quick whip around of the NHL there. Uh, the poor Predators got yeah <laughs> avalanched on. <laughs> and then second game kept things tight. Connor Ingram, the uh, very, very young goalie stepping in and standing on his head. But you cannot stop Kale McCarr. He is just ridiculous. And he scores the OT winner last night to bring Colorado up to nothing in the series. And that one looks to be the most lopsided out of the eight. Everyone else, at least one team is on the board here. And that's NHL playoff hockey, man, lots of parody. And uh, all these series are going to go deep and we're going to have plenty of opportunity to enjoy that as it moves along. All right. We'll take a quick pit stop here in the NBA playoffs as another big game three happened tonight. The Philadelphia 76ers 
turn back the clock uh, to the <laughs> to the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. They get Miami under 80 points, I believe, for the game. Very, very staunch defense. Jimmy Butler was the only one who could score for the Miami Heat tonight. They got little to no contribution from anyone else in the lineup. I don't think Kyle Lowry scored a bucket, which is uh, which is dreadful for Miami. Is they were in the driver's seat of this series with no Embiid. Uh, Doc Rivers refused to embrace chaos and go small. Um, instead, playing DeAndre Jordan legitimate playoff minutes, which was just shocking. And Miami was able to take advantage. I don't. You didn't really run Philly out of the building in either game, um, which you probably would have liked to see with no Embiid on the floor. And now with him back, they get a, the one game that Danny Green uh, shows up in the entire playoffs. They got that tonight. Uh, and, and Embiid wasn't super spectacular by any means, but that was because Miami was trying to force the ball out of his hands. And, and Philly was able to get that secondary scoring. Miami was not. And that's a big win for the Sixers here going into game four, potentially able to even up the series. The next game underway here to talk about are the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. And it just looks like uh, the Luka years of, of previous where it, it's a just superior team that Luka is trying to will his way to a couple wins, but this Phoenix Phoenix Suns team is so much better than either of those previous Clippers teams. And they're just making mincemeat of the Mavericks in fourth quarter time. I think in game two, Chris Paul, there were 10 possessions there. He went six for six and had two assists and Deandre Aiden, like I said, the, maybe the X factor, the second biggest reason why the Suns made it to the finals last year. He is the, maybe the most important piece in this series, just in terms of dominating the paint on both ends. He's the largest guy by about 70 pounds and he just eats up space. He gets rebounds. He can switch and defend on the perimeter as well. And uh, he's just been a nightmare for the Mavericks so far in this series. And it, it looks like Phoenix is going to be able to roll them pretty quickly and rest up for the Western conference finals here as they, uh, they battle it out here. Dallas does have a lead at home with the home crowd behind them, but really doesn't mean anything if it's close going into the fourth. Cause you know, Chris Paul, uh, someone lit a fire under him in that Pelican series. And since then he has been lights out, uh, in the last few games. Moving along here, uh, game two between the Grizzlies and the Warriors was full of fireworks. Our Canadian Dylan Brooks, not doing something part of the Canadian culture, taking a vicious foul on Gary Payton, uh, breaking his elbow. He'll be out for the rest of the playoffs. And Dylan Brooks gets suspended for game three, which I expect to be a very heated and chippy affair. Uh, John Morant, the Warriors basically said, we're going to take everyone else out of the game and let you do your thing. And he responded, five threes, a 47-point performance. Him and LeBron James are... Uh, the only two 23 year younger to have four, two 40 plus point performances in the NBA playoffs. That's a massive game for him, for Memphis to steal one. Uh, even though they are the home team, it feels like they are a little bit outmatched, but if Golden State cannot figure out 
how to mix up some of the defensive coverages against Ja. He's just so explosive and able to get by anyone they can put in front of him. And Gary Payton was really the only one with the lateral quickness to try and stay with him. That's a huge loss for Golden State that if you're Memphis, obviously it's a terrible foul by Dylan Brooks, but the outcome there is overwhelmingly positive, even if you're not going to admit it in, in that regard. Why yeah. have you got to say the quiet part out loud like that? <laughs> yeah, so we'll see if they're able to stay in front of John Morant, but I think it could be um, a bit of a light show here for the next couple of games unless they're able to trap him and get the ball out of his hands. I would be terrified to see the memos you would put out as GM of a team. <laughs> I'm just brutally honest and transparent, you know. Last NBA series here, uh, the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks, Boston in game two. Yeah. All they did was show how vitally important Chris Middleton is to this Milwaukee team. The defense got ratcheted up. No Marcus Smart and still able to obliterate the Bucks offense and, and mix things up. And uh, just when Milwaukee is not getting defensive stops, when the shots are going in for Boston, then Milwaukee has to start in a half-court offense, which then makes it easier to defend on Boston's side. Grant Williams has been fantastic, doing about as good as a job that you can on Giannis Antetokounmpo in the prime of his career right now. And if the shots are going like they were for Jalen Brown and they're able to keep Milwaukee in that slower tempo, then Milwaukee's really missing out on that extra creation that Middleton provides in a half-course setting with just some of the mid-range looks he can get. Drew Holiday is great as your third option, but he's not the guy you want creating every possession as your point guard. And it's going to involve a lot more touches for Giannis, I think, in the post and on the low block. Uh, maybe some off-screen action curling into the paint, but they're going to need a super human performance out of him for the rest of the series, which is very, very possible. You could chalk him up for 40 and 18 for the rest of the series, but that just still might not be enough. Uh, and I, I still think Boston is probably favored here to win in six or seven uh, in this one, and which didn't seem to be the case after game one, but Middleton, right? He's an all-star. He's the second best player on that team. It's a, it's a huge loss. Yeah, I the two things you needed to see offensively from Boston coming off of game one, I thought they showed uh, really dominantly in the first half. One, the stars need to step up and Jalen Brown was sensational in that first quarter. Uh, Tatum was great too. Brown was just locked in uh, heat check after heat check on some of those contested shots. And then defensively, it just showed how they were able to lock Giannis down for half the game he still ended with I think 28 points but that first half Williams like you said just so good on the one-on-one -on -one coverage uh let the Celtics defense stay put not have to rotate not, not let Giannis get the playmaking going that he can sometimes rely on to find for the rest of the game never gave him a step towards the rim always made him step out to circle for that post fade away type shot and when he's in rhythm, he can hit some of those. Same with the standstill threes, but that wasn't the case. And that gave them enough of the a gap to pull away in the second half. I, I, I agree with the statement you said maybe on that. I think like a 40-point night from Giannis and this Bucks team can still pull it off. But the Celtics just need to lock him down for one, maybe two quarters if they can. And that's the recipe for the game. Um, 
Holiday in game one was great at buying them a bucket when they needed to for the momentum, but that wasn't there in game two. And he is that come or go player. I think this one goes to seven and it's really going to be a who can be the big player in the big moment type of game. We shall see. We shall see the games go tomorrow in the NBA. Uh, Weird that on a Thursday night, they had NHL on TNT and no NBA games in competition. The NHL owned that Thursday night. We got to see the TNT panel, including Wayne Gretzky, do their thing. Uh, Pretty entertaining there. And I think hockey, that that's a big week for, for hockey is having that coverage now on ESPN in the face of a more, a larger general audience and having some of those big names really back the sport and bring folks in who aren't necessarily there for the sport, but are there for the entertainment um, and having a night to all to themselves on a Thursday with some marquee TV slots is, is big for growing the game and growing the brand been interesting hearing on ESPN on TNT basketball games the commentators referring to the hockey playoffs um, mm-hmm. I think the one partnered with Doris Burke keeps picking the Leafs to win a series and it oh god yeah um is that all the basketball we got that is all the basketball we got and zoom is telling us we got only 10 more minutes here all right, I'll make this tennis bit quick. I'm just going to check in quickly in Madrid. Uh, we've got our final four set for the semifinals. Uh, this first one going to be must-watch television for the first time. Novak Djokovic will go up against the young stud Carlos Alcaraz, who's coming off a win against Rafael Nadal, becoming the first teenager to ever beat Rafa on clay. Uh, and then in the bottom half, we got Tsitsipas going up against Zverev, running back the uh, French Open semifinals of last year. Tsitsipas taking out Rublev and Zverev taking out Felix Auger-Aliassime. Uh, so really great final headed in there. And then it's right back the week after in Barcelona. Uh, so big names doing big things in big places in the tennis world. We'll continue to follow that. And but that's all the tennis talk for now. All right. And I think that's all we have for tonight. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, we're going to keep following these Leafs teams and have the reactions for you. And I mean, hopefully it didn't end like it did last year and, and some of the other instant reaction podcasts we have done <laughs> previously. It hasn't seemed to have gone well, but, but a good one tonight. And looking forward for to some good ones in the future here as we get into May. And you're right. We haven't done a single time travel pod that's ended on a good note. Um, <laughs> there's a fun thought to end on. Sports Next Door signing out.